Yeah. Okay. So, do you think Arby's is actually as bad as what the internet is making it out to be? No, Arby, Arby's is terrific. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> no, I don't know. All right. We're recording, right? We are recording. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Um, only joined today by Josh. Uh, Jason had to help someone move. Much better person than I am because I would have said no thing. <laughs> but anyway, today we're going to be discussing a couple things. We're going to be doing top breakout player candidates for the 21-22 season. But first, I wanted to get into something. If you're not on Twitter, you wouldn't be privy to at all. There was kind of a big momentum swing, should you say, on Twitter about putting Matthews back with Nylander. And, and then obviously meaning putting Marner Tavares back together. And so I even tested the waters on, on Instagram. I said I put out a poll. I said, hey, do you, do you want to see Marner and Tavares back together again? You know, in 2018, 2019 together, Tavares led the league in five-on-five goals with 33. Marner led the league in primary assists and was second in overall assists behind Nikita Kucherov. 76% of people said yes, based on a, a good sample size, too. Yeah. And I think if I would have put that on Twitter, it would have been the same sort of thing. I think you're right. So... I wanted to discuss, mm. should the Leafs move Matthews, Nylander back together and Marner and Tavares back together? What are your thoughts? I'm going to counter your asking me my thoughts with a question. And my question is going to be, what is the purpose of the move? Because that, that is the first question you have to ask. When you make any lineup decision, what is the purpose? So you tell me, what is the purpose of the move? So the purpose, I believe, would be to get the most out of Taveras. I don't believe, apparently, from what I read, actually, I'm going to pull up his name in 10 seconds, but someone was DMing me saying the reason why they believed so. I thought it was pretty good. It was Elijah Levy, thank you for messaging, and wrote in depth why he thought they should be moved together. Made some decent points. He, he thought the Martyrs a very, very good passer. Do we really need that great of a passer with Austin Matthews? I think Austin Matthews creates a lot of goals and offense on his own there. Um, Marner's play style really meshes well with Tavares, and we've seen Nylander-Matthews uh, mesh well together. So it would be, I mean, I don't think it would really be a step down on the first line, Matthews-Nylander together, but it would get more out of the second line with Tavares-Marner together. That was the reasoning behind it. Okay, interesting. I think if you start with that, then yeah, that makes sense. I think if you're, you know, you're saying you were disappointed with how Nylander and Tavares produced in the regular season, is that the idea? And you're trying to give Tavares a little more jump? Because obviously, you know, it seemed like he took a bit of a step back last year. Not a major step back, but especially, you know, there was a lull. There was like a 15-game lull. I don't know. There it, was. it was near the start of the year because he started yeah. decent, but then there was a big lull. But the Here's the thing that this even Nylander didn't start that that hot. This will cloud over the Leafs all year. Like, what's the line combo is going to be in the playoffs? That's all anyone's going to care about, which is tough because it's a great question that you just asked me. But I think people are going to listen to this and go, well, yeah, for sure. You got to take Marner and Matthews and split them up because they sucked in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> but I just again, NHL.com sort by even strength points. These are the players that had more even strength points than Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Connor McDavid. That's it. Leon Dreisaitl? No. Him and Marner were tied and Matthews had more. 
So the only player who had more even strength points than Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner was Connor McDavid. So yeah. you're hypothetically splitting up the best produced or, or one the of the two best, best producing the best duo. duos in the entire league. When you look at it from that perspective, just off the stats, it's like, well, that makes no sense at all. But as Leaf fans, we've watched, we've analyzed, we've overanalyzed. And, you know, I don't really see an issue with getting a bit of a fresh start, maybe even to start the year. Also, I think it would be better because I think William Nylander needs more minutes. And I think Mitch Marner needs less minutes. I don't think that has anything to do with the seven-game playoff sample. It's, mm-hmm. I don't think you should have a forward playing 24 minutes in a game. No. That's just my personal opinion. Especially when he's playing five-on-five, penalty kill, and power play. He gets no breaks. And maybe he's just sucked in the playoffs. Fair. But I also think, like, you put that much on a player mm-hmm. all year. And then in the playoffs, it's like, it's, where's his break? Like, I think it's actually, like, it doesn't directly correlate. But when you look at what kind of the, the Bruins were doing with Rask, Right, like a starting goalie wants to start every single game, no doubt about it. They're gonna tell you, "I want to be in that net," even if like they may not realize it. But the mental fatigue as well with that, when you're playing every single game, every single shift, every like you're getting 20 minutes a game plus, the mental fatigue and the physical fatigue, you may not feel it, but that could affect you there. So Mitch Marner scaling back those minutes in the regular season, and even a little bit in the playoffs, and putting him in better opportune spots, I feel like could benefit him. And you could see a lot more juice in the moments that you really, really need him. That's been my one criticism of Sheldon Keefe. It's like even games where, you know, Nylander was playing really well. It's like, well, he hasn't played in like three minutes. What's going on? Or you'd look in the first period and Nylander Tavares have played three minutes and 30 seconds in a period. Yeah, that's that's a huge criticism. And his, his I get it. You should absolutely be playing your best players as much as possible, which I agree with. But... I think most of us consider us the Leafs to have a strong top six overall, not just a strong top line. So I think balancing out those minutes makes sense. Like I'm just pulling up. I just pulled up the first player I thought of. I pulled up his player card here. Patrice Bergeron. Patrice Bergeron has not played over 20 minutes in the, in a regular season since 2006, 2007. He has not played per game over 20 minutes. And that's not five on five. This is per game. He has not played over 20 minutes in a season. Since 06, 07. Oh, wow. he's, he's averaged in the last couple of years, 18, 13, 18, 45, 18, 28. And this is a guy who could play in any situation. He's the playoffs, too. Look at, look at his time on ice average in the playoffs. Bring that yeah, up, the too. The top three for Boston, you are correct. It's 1855 Brad Marchand, David Pasternak got 1837, and Patrice Bergeron 1813. I'm curious to see what it, what it is with the Lightning. I didn't even t- take a look at the that. Li- you know the Lightning are more split up. They had. Two li- basically three lines that were rolling pretty evenly and ev- at even strength. Like, yeah, their number one center was eighteen twenty six Braden Point, eighteen sixteen Stephen Stamkos, Alex Kalorn seventeen fifty four. Because here's the other thing, and you don't have to bench up. Like, I don't think you'd ever bench Matthews and Marner. But no. again, when they're twenty five minutes a night, it's all on their shoulders. As we saw, it was all on their shoulders, right? And even like, you saw like. I don't know. There were certain games where they lost, like the you remember the Ottawa game where they had to play against Joey Decord, just like how bagged they looked after that. I can't remember if there was a break after that one, yeah. but like they just looked completely bagged by the end of the game. It was like it was they were skating in mud, even though it was a one goal game. Like that's going to affect you then if they if if you have a game in a couple of days after, like 
you may not realize it, but it does affect you a little bit. Let's call right? it load management. Exactly. So we mentioned all those minutes for Bergeron, Point, Marshan, Pasternak, Steven Stamkos. I'm going to read out the Leafs' time on ice. Mitch Marner, 22-26. That's crazy. Austin Matthews, 21-33. And then Jan John Tavares, 18-12. William Nylander, 16-36. Zach Hyman, even 19-22. Like, it's also play these guys that we trust. It's not like it's a third liner. It's John Tavares and William Nylander. Why aren't those guys just playing a little more? Like, why, is, yeah. why aren't those guys at 19-19 and then – the top two can be at 20 and 20 instead of 22 and 22 and 16 and 18. I don't know. It's like, cause I would never advocate for giving shifts to, let's say, I don't know, Ilya David Kampf and Ilya Mikhaev over Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. But if you have an offensive zone draw, I have no issues with sending out John Tavares and William Nylander. Mm -hmm. So I think the long winded answer to this is if by proxy, this results in, a more balanced deployment of your top six forwards with Marner and Tavares and Nylander and Matthews, I'd be all for it, to be honest. So I I really wouldn't split the top two up personally. I think they had a sick year last year. They sucked in the playoffs. It happened. I think they also want to play together. They've said it yeah. in the past. They and But to be fair, as much as we love these guys, you have to you know hold their feet to the fire and say, okay, you want to play together, you can't stink it up in the playoffs. Again. Again. So... I don't know. I think we'll see more like line juggling from Keith this year than we did last year. I think, yeah, I think we'll see some interesting adjustments. Someone was asking me what I thought of the Leafs the other day, and I, I like it popped in my head for some reason. I think you're going to see a little bit more reined back Morgan Riley this year. He was a wild horse last year in terms of just get up there with the puck and throw it blindly into the middle and hopefully something happens. We saw a little bit more of that with against Montreal. How effective was he against yeah, Montreal? I agree. He looked awesome out there. He was on the ice for like one five-on-five five goal against. Yeah. It's because he's still just pretty stupid defending-wise. He gave Nick Suzuki too much room, but it's a stoppable goal. I still remember that one very vividly. However... I think you're going to see less of that just go, 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 Martin Riley, straight fly up the wing with the puck and throw it into the middle and more like kind of reined back. And you're going to see a more well-rounded defensive top four there. I, th I thought that was one adjustment we'll see there, but also what you were mentioning there. Like I think the overarching sentiment is between yourself and I with do we switch up this top four is – how is the how is it going to change with the deployment there? Mm -hmm. Why would you split up something that's working? But I mean, if it means something else, then for sure. Yeah, I wonder if they'll load up a line too and go with Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. I thought about that today as well. Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. Potentially, I mean, that could be interesting. We've seen them try to do. We've seen Sheldon Keith try some stuff here and there. I mean, in Game Five. A, do or die game. He put Tavares, Matthews, Marner together. Yeah, so. I I don't know. I, I'm curious. We'll see. This these will all be talking points as the year goes on, and they'll all be valid talking points. People will say, you know, as I talked about before, who cares? It's the regular season. Well, first of all, you're gonna have to grind in the regular season this year because you're in a very tough division. Second of all, like, how about showing regular season tendencies that people would like to see in the playoffs, for example? Like, mm -hmm. that's another thing. But I get it. At the end of the day, the playoffs is what matters. But you still have a regular season to get through. And overlooking the regular season 
for the playoffs would not be a wise decision for this team. I think we've seen Tampa Bay do that in the past and miss the playoffs. We've seen a lot of good teams, you know, mm-hmm. flunk out in the regular season when they were expected to do really well. So I, the regular season still has a lot of importance, right? And yeah. the other thing is the regular season is probably the time to try this out. Mm-hmm. Like try it out to start. Try it out halfway through the year. Who knows? But I'm not against it at all. I think obviously Marner and Tavares were great together. Yeah. Marner and Matthews are great together. They're they're all great. Like whatever. Whatever works, honestly. I, I'm good with either. I'm more curious who, to see who the third kind of wingman is on both those lines. That's kind of interesting to me. I think you'll see that cycle in and out a lot this year. Yeah, the wingers on the top two, the top left, because we don't have that bona fide Zach Hyman kind of guy there. So I think that's the bigger question. It's like it almost to me doesn't matter how they decide to break up those four players because they're all gonna be pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just who's going to be the wingman. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to be had there. And I think opportunity, you know, creates competitiveness as well. And a lot of guys may be looking for their next contract. A lot of guys on one or two year deals that took pay cuts to come here and are going to be hungry in those spots. Ooh, right. It's a good word. It's true. It like you're, good. you're telling me Michael Bunting and Nick Ritchie and Andre Kosh are coming here thinking, no, nah, we're going to coast in the regular season <sighs> and get out in the first round. No, these guys have life changing money on the line for this. Oh, yeah. Like, so we'll see what happens. Um, one thing I didn't mention at the top of the episode. I mean, I think I think we've nailed the he- hit the nail on the head on that one. Uh, one thing I didn't mention at the top of the episode. I was playing around with some numbers, trying to find a consistency, build a consistency model with the Leafs. I thought it came about some interesting numbers here, in terms of expected goals. I, I know some people uh, throw. Throw um, advanced analytics out the window, um, especially after I actually saw someone say that after what Patrick Bacon did with uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I'm not sure if you saw that. No, one. what did he do? He quote tweeted Henrik Lundqvist's retirement announcement and said that he was like overrated or okay. something. Okay. Like also, that. here's <laughs> because of shot adjustments. Can I do one quick rant about this before really you go? Weird. Like the reason people are so anti-analytics is because of how some of the analytics people on Twitter. sometimes carry themselves and i'm not saying patrick bacon is a bad guy he's like i don't know some great stuff but i really like read the room (laughs) like read the room bro what are we doing (laughs) and then he was like oh like i just said that someone wasn't as good as because like i think according to save percentage or whatever he's like 10 times better than the next guy so you're saying like okay like he's the best but like not by that margin but it was like you quote tweeted henrik lungfist's retirement Retirement. after wait wait after he had a serious (laughs) medical procedure that forced him to retire (laughs) why are you laughing so bad it's it's, it's like like, read the room i don't know i don't know he did that once before but like it's exactly that i thought that was funny anyways getting into what i was getting at i thought some of this was interesting i graded some of the expected goals percentage, I, it, it does need some fine-tuning, and I want to see who was the most consistent on the Leafs. Um, I'm still trying to figure out the numbers, but this is the early stages of it. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Marner versus Nylander, I wanted to throw out there. So Mitch Marner, 49.09% of his games, he was over 60% expected goals for. He had 14 games of a 70% expected goals for, and 13 games between 60 and 70 for expected goals. 
Okay, 49.09 compared to Nylander, who had, it was 41.18. He had 11 with grade A and 10 with grade B. Here's where I thought it was a little bit interesting. For the C grade, it's between 50% and 60%. And so 50% means you've generated more ch- uh, just as much chances as you have that have come the other way. Mitch Marner only had seven of those, and William Nylander had 15. So when you look at it, games above 50%, Nylander was at 70.59%, and Marner was only at 6182 so I thought that was quite interesting. It kind of says, like, Marner did play at a high, high, like, just crazy level more games, but Nylander was more steady throughout the regular season there. Just thought it was a, a little bit of an interesting discovery, but the the most interesting that I just stumbled upon, you know who was above Marner for games in which you had a 50% expected goals or more? Who? Ilya Mikheyev yeah. at 64.81%. That doesn't surprise me. That's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, there was one game he had zero expected goals against. Yeah, that doesn't. That's what he is. At point one nine four, which is like nothing. Like I thought that was quite interesting. Just diving he's a, into the he's stats. He's a offense destroyer on both <laughs> ends of the ice. <laughs> on both ends of the oh yeah, we've seen. No, I think that's interesting. I think we ho- we're gonna hope Joe keeps flushing that out and you know, maybe gives us like a consistency Something. factor number. Oh yeah. Which would be good. That's what, yeah, that's what, uh, that's what the goal is. So. What's Austin Matthews at? Oh, Austin Matthews was 50.98% of games. He was above 60%. And what was Marner's of that? Marner's of that was 49.09. So kind of so similar. 50, but then 76.47 of 50% or more. And compared to, I said, Nylander was very good at 70, yeah. and Marner was at 61.82. And then Tavares was... Uh, 37.5 B or higher, which is 50 per, 60% or higher, and then 62 of 50% or higher. Interesting. So, Going to dive into this more. Got to mm-hmm. compare other teams and all of that. But I thought it was a little bit interesting comparing some of these some of these other guys and pulling the standard deviations and all of that. But let's get into it. Breakout players of the year. Mm. Um, if you like fantasy hockey, this may be the segment for you. Dave Pelagi, our, our resident Sens fan that I get some information from, is going off about some Sens players here. Okay, well, well let's give him some some shout at the end. I'm, I might just call him because this is a lot to read. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we'll do that later. So first I wanted to start off, name some teams. Before we get into the specific players, name some teams where you feel, wow, these guys have a lot of opportunity and potential to have a lot of breakout players. So just because I named the teams doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily pick a player from this team in our upcoming Or even draft. say that they're going to make the playoffs. Right. I just found that I also didn't want to take more than one, one person from a single team because I think that's – I wanted to just narrow down one breakout candidate if I was going to pick one. So like for the first team I saw was New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you want me to start naming the players too or no? Uh, give the reasons why. So I think New Jersey, obviously, you know, post Taylor Hall Hart Trophy took a massive downturn, yeah. right? But they've been able to draft a lot, like a lot of high value players, really high in the draft. Obviously, I don't have to say the names. You know, they have two first overall picks. Mm-hmm. But I've also liked how they've narrowed down some of those mid first round selections, in, even to even an archetype. There's an offensive defenseman that I like on that team. I might draft him. I might not. But. I'll say I'm not going to drop Ty Smith's another guy. I yeah. think he's a really good breakout candidate, but overall I think as a team, you have the formula of 
three or four young guys who look ready to take the next step. Plus, you bring in a stud Norris Trophy level defenseman in Dougie Hamilton. And, you know, you have more guys in your pipeline coming up as well. I think it looks like New Jersey could be a sneaky playoff contender. The problem is the East is so deep this year, but that's oh, one yeah, team I looked sure. at. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at the roster right now. I see a lot of, like, pretty young names at the top of daily faceoffs line combinations here. And, like, a lot of young names on forward. They shored up on D. They've got some experience on defense there as well. They've got, finally got a good goaltending tandem going on there. I think they're going to string together some wins for sure. They're not going to be a rollover like last year there. And, I mean, there's one name at center, first-line center, that I think we'll, both of us have on our list for mm -hmm. breakout ca candidates for of sure. the year. And I think everyone else on the planet Earth does as well. Um, another team that I thought, like, in terms of breakout players – it's unfortunate because I was much more excited at the beginning of the regulars at the beginning of the off season versus now. Um, I think the Rangers have some very good candidates there. However, they just they got it. They they took away so much opportunity oh, from this team. I know. Like I see, I'm looking at the first projected line. There's two names. Obviously, they went one and two in the draft back to back years, where it's like that's some uh, that's a good one. Another former first round pick on second line. It looks like there a third-line center that was a first-round pick for them, later first-round pick, but who hasn't quite found his footing there. It's like there's a lot of good players there. However, I mean, I don't know how you get rid of Bushnevich. I don't know why you sign Riven Reeves there. Like, the defense looks okay-ish. There's some opportunity there as well because there's some inexperienced players on the back end there. So I was much more excited at the beginning of the regular season. I don't like a lot of their moves there but i agree with you i i think had they not done a couple of the moves that they did you'd probably pick them maybe even to win their division the problem is i, I do like the idea that they seem to be committing to those young players though that is one positive yeah. right like now's the time for you know whatever lafreniere kako kravstov all these guys yeah. keandre miller Hedo. adam fox it's filipino it's time for all of them to take that next step the problem is they could have just been better insulated with some of the players they had last year yeah. that they have no longer on the team. But I still think there's massive breakout potential with this and team. And also, I like Gerard Gallant. That's a good yeah, coaching agreed. decision there. I think their old coach, I can't even remember his name. He sucked. He was awful. He was terrible. Ja, uh, Quinn. Their their player development there I didn't like as well. Like, Lyash Anderson just, like, that was a whole fiasco. You traded Derek Stepan and Antti Ranta to get this seventh overall pick and you picked it, you overpicked on Lyash Anderson and you sent him out the door for a couple of second round picks. Like, yeah, that just didn't look good. The Kravtsov development hasn't gone as expected either. It's been like, more up and down than people. Philip Heedle should have been taken care of much better there. It's like, I don't know how the previous regime, I don't, I didn't really like how they were running it. Maybe now they get something solid in place and get more out of these younger players. But again, I was more excited about them at the beginning of the See, I thought their their management group was actually pretty good. I just never thought they had the right coach. The management group, yes. I didn't yeah. like the development team. And we'll see. You know, Chris Drury, you're not going to talk poorly on him off one offseason, right? Like, he seems to no. be giving the young guys a shot, which I appreciate. But I agree with New, New uh, the New York Rangers. So, hey, we got two teams from New York, New York and New Jersey. But I got another team. Right. How about the Anaheim Ducks? And this may be simply because of how good garbage their team is no offense but oh there's a lot they're in a pure <laughs> rebuild but they're really they're bad. at a spot where they have a lot of guys who are 
you know, like early 20s, getting to mid 20s where they've had a couple cracks at the league. And it's like some put first up, round picks. So it's almost put up or shut up time for these, some of these guys, like in terms of going to the next level. I feel like if some of these guys don't do anything this year, by the end of this year, they're going to be like good targets for other teams. Like but for sure for pretty cheap. Like I see I'm going to count it one, two, three and a yeah. half forwards. I see here and yeah, three for sure. For sure, one, two first-round picks defensemen. and a fifth-round pick. And, like, these are guys where this is – Anaheim's kind of done this rebuild in a way where if these guys don't hit this year, they might start it all over again, honestly. so Because yeah. a lot of these guys are older, maybe 22, 23. It's not that you give up on a end guy. Of the, end age. of their entry-level deal exactly. kind of so thing. That's another team. And then a sneaky one, I'm going to just leave this here, is Tampa. I have them on here. Yeah. 100%. Whole new third line there. Yeah. They got some uh, – like. Uh, Daily Faceoff has a very interesting name at second line right wing. I don't know if you saw that one. I did. We saw some some of him at the end of last year there. Looked really good with the puck, but did not put up any production. So that'll be interesting. Signed a really weird deal. Three by 750. Yeah. So right. we'll see. The, the, again, totally new look forward group for Tampa. So, But I think the big thing with all, the, all three of those teams – well, New Jersey, the reason why – you, to explain why they're breakout candidates, I mean, when you look at a breakout candidate, it's are they going to be taking the jump in terms of their own personal player development, or are they going to be taking the jump because they're being given a new opportunity right. and they're going to develop as a result? Very of well it. said. So I think with a lot of these players, there's n- development. Uh, sorry, there's opportunity there, and as well as some of these other teams, well, New Jersey, they've solidified, they've helped to build some support around them. Agreed. I think a fair way to say it is the ultimate breakout candidate is when the development meets opportunity at the right time and we flourish. So Um, one past flopped kind of breakout candidate that actually ended up breaking out late a couple years later. I want to say Ryan Strom. He was supposed to play with Connor McDavid in Edmonton. How about I have a flopped one that I think is about to break out. We'll get to him if we if we want to start. Okay, go ahead. Because this is the first guy I'm going to pick. Go. Let's get into our players. Okay, so we're going to just do three forwards, two defensemen. Are we going to do a goalie? Yeah. And a goalie. All right. My if first. You don't have one. Just say. No, I, I, I've got nothing. Worry. All right. My first player that I think is primed for a breakout is Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah. Here's why. As he had the most tumultuous start for a, of a career for a top five pick that didn't completely bust that I've ever seen. Like he ended up back in Finland last year. I don't know if a lot of people were aware or remember that. And, you know, he just really couldn't find his footing in Edmonton. He didn't even look like stupend. Like he led the league in scoring, but like, I thought he should have done a little better in Finland. In Finland. So, you know, he comes back halfway through the year. He played a little in Finland this year, actually comes back. And I thought he looked really good. Yeah, he Re- did. He, the, the thing about him numbers is are very good too. his, his body type, it's just primed of like a guy once he puts it together. He can really skate. He's big. He's been pretty actually responsible defensively this year that I've found. The only thing he's always been missing, and Joe and I have talked about this. I don't know when did he get drafted? Five years ago now? Uh-huh. He does not have like an A an A shot. He might not even have a B shot, honestly. Terrible shot. So terrible finishing ability. The, the problem with him is that, is that in terms of the production coming, you need a little better finishing And if you want to get more background on what we're saying, go watch his World Junior highlights from 2015. This guy had the best performance, the best one assist in five games performance I've ever seen in my life. 
He has like 20 minutes of highlights. Yeah, it's insane. And he, it's just him not scoring. Like, but, but he's a also good like playmaker. Ripping it up without scoring. Oh, it's, I it's know. So I think actually when I look at him, I'd l- I don't know if Edmonton's going to put McDavid and Dreisaitl together. That's like an often debated topic for them as we just debated Marner and Elan yeah. or whatever. Him playing with Leon Dreisaitl I think would be a, like a great pairing. You throw maybe Kyler Yamamoto on that wing. I think that's a stud second line because I think him and Leon can cycle the puck. They're strong guys. Yes, he can set up the other two players. This guy is great at the transition game, too. Just because he's 6'4 doesn't mean he's like a grinded in the corners type guy. His skating is great for his size. Like, he glides across the ice, effortless stride. And I think this year was his year to get acclimated back to the NHL. And he put up good numbers. He had 25 points in 55 games. He had 15 goals. He had 15 points in his last 25. Comes on strong at the end. I really think this is a guy, the tool set is 100% there. If you've watched him develop... You know what this guy can do. He's capable of elite-level hockey <laughs> on both ends of the ice. I'm not saying he's necessarily an 80-point player, but I really think he can be a bona fide top-six two-way winger. So I think this is the year that Pugliarvi will break out fully for Edmonton, and we're looking at hopefully 25 goals, 50 to 60 points, and Edmonton fans are no longer like, wow, we have no depth on the wing. They suddenly seem to have a good amount. So that's my first pick is Yessi Pugliarvi. I like that one. I always seemed like a always seemed like a guy that had all the tools, just needed to fit them into the toolbox kind of thing. Um, there's a reason that um, it seemed like in 2016 people were saying, "Oh, Edmonton lost the draft lottery, but they still won the draft because they were able to get they were able to snag Yessi Puliarvi at uh, number four, and Columbus went on to pick PLD at mm-hmm. number three. So. That's a good pick. I had him, and I had a couple other names from Edmonton there. Just like I was going through each team and saying, like, "Hey, like, who's in an interesting spot there?" But obviously, Jesse Puljujarvi is the. What are some of the other names? Targets. Unless you're going to draft them, I'm not going to draft them. No, it was Ryan, Ryan McLeod and yeah. uh, Warren Fogle. Warren Fogle, yeah. I think Kyler's been on a good pace so far. Yeah. Fair. Uh, that is another good name. Ryan McLeod's supposed to be playing third line center. I mean, that's just a huge opportunity for him. I think it's probably a little above his head. Yeah. Warren Fogel's an, a good player being put yeah. in a new scenario. I, I think he's going to be relied upon maybe some second power play there. Good mm-hmm. finisher. So that was an interesting one. Um, but solid pick. In terms of my pick, I mean, I think this one's going to be – I have like – Five names from this team. So I'm obviously going to go with this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Ely Tolvanen. Oh, I had him on my list. Very, very good shot. Pretty good skater as well. Terrific Just the, shot. Just say that's another. Terrific shot. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. But I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a scary pick to me because Nashville's not going to be very good this year. I think they're in a rebuild mode there. But however, that could mean they put more emphasis on their younger guys, such as Ely Tolvanen there. Uh, like, again, that's going to be a power play weapon. Another guy where it's like all the tools just needs to fit it all together. That's, I mean, put up 22 points in 40 games last year. But if you're going to put him first line, give him 18 minutes, I think that could be a pretty good bump to 55 points in a year, 60 points around there. Like, I think that's going to be a legitimate. At, at times, you're going to see some streaks and you're going to want to pick him up in fantasy hockey. That's why I picked Ely Tolvanen as a breakout candidate. I mean, you know I'm a fan. You know that. Um, I had a couple names for Nashville, too. Did you have any hesitancy given the fact that, you know, Nashville historically does not produce any sort of offensive numbers? Because I looked at Cody Glass as well, right? Yeah, I have him on here. But 
it's like, man, how, how these guys are like a black hole. I of think offense. he's going to be like the third center yeah. kind of thing. So it's like, he'll be an everyday player. He'll be above what he was last season. I think no doubt about it, but they are a black hole of offense there. Another guy that I had on my list here was Phil Tomasino. Mm. Over a point per game last year in the AHL, an exceptional skater and a very good offensive player. Like, in Team Canada, he was playing. There were some games he was playing, like, one shift, but then he'd score. And it's just like, why not play him more? He's a very good player. I think he could jump some players in the depth charts and be a little electric, despite him being a yeah. fairly young player. But Yeah, I would love to see I'm them I'm going my first shot. pick, Ely Tolvanen. So, Jesse Pugliarvi, Ely Tolvanen. Uh do you want to make your next one? Yeah, I'm going to take Jack Hughes. Okay. That was an easy one. It should have been first overall, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, we kind of did, had a little fun with it. But Jack Hughes, the underlying numbers are all there. You watch him play. This guy's electric. He's Especially the jump from last year to this year. Like He looked a lot more comfortable. The problem was, again, the team wasn't very good, right? So even offensive numbers-wise, didn't have a ton of help yeah. on the ice, right? Especially so, when you're a center and you don't have the greatest of wingers. Like Even their, their power play was horrendous he had seven power play points this year this guy's gonna be a guy who eventually has probably like 30 power play mm -hmm. points in a year so i mean it's an obvious pick i'm sorry Very i took the obvious pick the only thing i will say about him is he's another guy whose shot needs to improve oh yeah but i think he'll be able to score in the same way that you know mitch marner has been able to score at like a 20 25 goal pace is where he does a good a good job at placing his shot and mm -hmm. he does a good job at um shooting either while moving laterally or yep. just changing his angle a little bit to get the goalie off guard. That's how he used to score in junior because he really did not have an overpowering shot. But and it showed he's a 6.8% shooting percentage on Use 265 shots. Use skating to be able to throw off the goalie's exactly. angle and pl put it in exactly. a very good place. And it doesn't, and doesn't have to be shot as hard. Yeah, and another small guy, small American guy that has put up 36 goals in a season, Johnny Goudreau. Oh, yeah. If Jack, well, I yeah. mean, if Johnny Goudreau can put up 36 in a season... Why can't John? I mean, why can't Jack Hughes? Right. And but, I think I think Jason mentioned this on the podcast. Is I don't remember the exact stat, but that Jack Hughes had the highest like Corsi relative in the entire league or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but I think he was also a little bit sheltered. So. Yeah, I'm just saying like the underlying numbers were there, so for sure we'll see uh, what happens. I mean, I think that's going to be one every single article that you're going to read for breakout players. He's going to be number one. I know one. that's he's, why I kind of because don't. it's it's um it's a guy who is a first overall pick borderline generational touted player at that time as well that has been like the curve is going the right way maybe next year's the year they take that jump yeah, that was a pick for the graphic pretty much yeah <laughs> but a good pick i would say um my next pick i mean i i think this is another team not going to be very good but i think they're going to put they, it was a huge trade this offseason. I think they're going to put a lot of emphasis on him. Former first-round pick, I believe former top-10 pick, Adam Boquist mm, in Columbus there. Yeah. Daily face-off has him playing with Zach Varensky. I mean, got some NHL experience last year. Um, he was pretty good, I too. I think it's going to be kind of like, a, like you're not going to see the greatest defensive numbers. And he was kind of sheltered. He, he's actually gotten two seasons of NHL work, so... That makes me even higher. I didn't. I forgot he played the year before. But anywho, very talented player, very good offensive player, pretty good shot, very good hands there as well. I think he's going to get a lot more five-on-five -five work. Which way that swings, we'll see, especially on Columbus. But I, I think that's a guy that you could see put up 
35 points. Absolutely. Um, he's super talented. He's also super young. Like, I was sh- shocked that Chicago traded him. He's 21 years old. Like, we know defensemen take longer to develop, too, right? So, yeah. he's just starting out. I, I look at that team, and they're not going to be good this year. So, I would put him with Gavrikov, who's a left defenseman. Balkfist is a right yeah. defenseman. Gavrikov is one of the more solid, just defensive-stopping defensemen in the league. Not, no offense at all. Kind of like David Savard, who also played on Columbus. Similar mold. But that would be a perfect guy to bring him up on a full 82-game season playing, you know, a little closer to 20 minutes a night. He's been, I think he played 16 before. He's going to play more in Columbus, 16, obviously. 17, yeah. I think Vavrensky will still be, obviously, I just said it like JC says it, Vavrensky. Vavrensky is obviously going to be a top. Jock Vavrensky. Yeah, is obviously going to be a top, the top guy there. But I really think in, you know, second pair minutes, not against the best guys necessarily, he will take a great leap in his development. And I really like that pick, honestly. I had him on my list as well, so I'm kind of rattled, but. I think he's definitely one of the top two defensive breakout candidates, in my opinion. Other guys from Columbus that you could say, but I didn't. I mean, obviously they were lower for me. Was uh, maybe Liam Foody? I think he'll get some more looks there. Alex Texier, another talented player. We've seen some good flashes of, and obviously Jake Bean traded to yeah, Columbus. That's this a fun one. The Jake Bean one. He's a, he's a great player. I mean, and now he's going to be an everyday defenseman there, and. You know what? Like Columbus this season, some of these players, they're good offensive players, and they're going to be allowed to make mistakes. That's Hopefully. the best way to put it. I almost put Patrick Lyon on this list. You think he? What? What's his goal total? Do you think? Yes, I see. I still know this guy's got a fifty goal year in him. I know it's he's too talented. So I don't know if it'll. I don't know if it'll ever happen. But I. I, I mean, th- the I thing think, is, a fifty goal year with your center being Jack Roslovic. I know. We'll see. So we'll see. That's that'll be an interesting one to watch there. Columbus, I mean, I I I think it's not going to be a great team there, but it's definitely going to be a decently fun team. Yeah. They got some they got some good players to watch there, which should be interesting because they're coming off being the most boring team in the league, which they tried to be under Tortorella, and maybe they'll be fun. That would be good. I think that would help a lot of the young development. Who's their it. coach there? Have they hired one? Uh, yeah. Now know. you're gonna put us on the spot and not remember who their coach's name is. Uh, I don't at all. <laughs> Great radio right now. Brad Larson. Brad Larson? Brad Larson. Oh. So, um, on to my pick. Yep. I'm going to dip into Leafland for this one. I already took two forwards. I'm going to go on D. I think this might be obvious too. But Rasmus Sandin. And not only do I think he is going to break out. I think he has to break out for the Leafs. He is a key part of this team's future. We know the situation surrounding Morgan Riley. I don't have to go into Rasmus Sandin's game. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast. This physical tools are being developed. I think he's ready to play a much bigger role on this team with a bigger workload. If you ask me, again, we're talking about managing the players a little better. Like you said, maybe Morgan Riley's a little more defensive this year you know he doesn't run as wild as he has in the past maybe you give Rasmus Sandin some of those power play minutes and let Morgan ride in the playoffs let Morgan Riley focus more on five on five which seemed to work right so I really think you're gonna see a big points jump this year with Rasmus Sandin I think he's gonna play still relatively sheltered third pairing minutes but two things to consider I think he's gonna get some power play time and it would be naive for us to think that not a single player on that top four would get injured all year. I mean, 
it's almost inevitable that a defenseman gets hurt for the yeah. least. Knock on wood, that's just how the NHL works. So whenever, even, you know, back-to-back nights, they may be given some guys nights off as well. Look for in those games, Sandin to be given a bigger role and hopefully succeed in the way that we know he has in him. So I don't got to talk about his game. You guys know how good he is. I think Rasmus Sandin, breakout candidate this year. That's a really good one. I had him on my Leafs list as well. Even in general, just kind of list. I mean, what, like, it was a sign for what's to come in terms of his playing in the playoffs. Like, that was horribly worded. But the opportunity he was given to pl- be the first plow- power play defenseman in the playoffs. And then even in game five, he was given first power play minutes as well. I think like, we all want to see him there all year. Exactly. I think what he he does much better than Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley's a very good straight line, get the puck in kind of defenseman. Very good skater. Very good physical player there. However, Rasmus Sandin draws in defenders much better and is a far better passer than Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley just kind of he fumbles the puck at the point way too much there. Rasmus Sandin, he's got the head fakes going. He's got the no-look passes going. We saw it. He's a high-danger kind of passer. We saw what happened in his own end a couple times in the playoffs, but that's going to come with growth and maturity. I think if he's able to run that first power play like we've seen him do in the past and continue to grow and mature, that's a very, very good breakout candidate there. That's a good pick. And as well, he's going to be playing with Travis Dermott, who's shown to put up good defensive numbers in the role that he's been given. So we'll see what he can do at the right side there. So you like that pick? I do. Thank I do. You. Thank very you. much so. Um, my pick, I got off of my list here. I mean, there's so many names, and none of them really jump out at me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think a decent one here. Is really kind of going on out on limb. Nolan Patrick. Wow. Sheesh. And the reason why. We Vegas' center depth isn't great right now. They're a very like in terms of the position that they're in, one of the best teams in the league, their center depth is easily the worst by a mile in terms of the upper echelon. For teams, sure. By two country miles. They just traded their best, arguably one of their best prospects in Cody Glass for Nolan Patrick, a guy that put up nine points last year and missed all of the year before. I think Vegas sees something in him. They see the former second overall pick there. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him. And I think that, you know, a new, new, uh, new scenery around him, he's really going to, he's going to, he's going to put up some better numbers, maybe 45 points this year. Wow. I did not have him on my list i will say this about him though he's definitely a center yeah he's i'm looking at his face-off numbers he's never been below 50 percent in any of his first three years so like that sounds like a minuscule point but when you think about it having a guy that's for sure a center on vegas is valuable because they don't have those guys so that gives him more potential opportunity so play a player just because they're good at face-offs however being good at face-offs is such a valuable asset exactly it's a puck battle you're, you're, it's a stopped puck battle. Are you going to be able to win 50% of those and Correct. get possession to your team? And when a team doesn't have that much center depth, it's it becomes a plus for Nolan Patrick that gets him in the lineup. Yeah. So the only problem is where is he playing that he gets 45 points? Where like Are you saying he ends up knocking down Chandler Stevenson? I think Chandler Stevenson had a pretty good year. He did. Um, Sorry, I'm put, throwing you on. I know. To the I here. know. He's going to be on the third line role there. Uh, like, one of the wingers right now is Dadanov here. Um, I 
Am I missing something, Alex? Tuck, did he have some sort of surgery? He's not on Daily Faceoff's roster. Great. Well, he's on the team. Great so. research here. But we've seen Alex Tuck play third line in the past. I thought also that would have been. But a third line of Alex Tuck, Nolan Patrick, Evgeny Dadanov. Mm, I, see, I like the sound of that. You've sold me there. I like that. I think that makes Maybe their depth look a lot time. better, too. So I, I could see it. I like the pick. I like it. I, I think, you know. For him, having a fully healthy season again would yeah. be a win. He's out six. Alex Tuck is out six months with so, shoulder surgery. Yeah, he'll be back. Don't worry. He'll be back eventually. But yeah, I like that pick. Wasn't on my list, but I like it. It's, it was an interesting one. I, I like it. Um, I got a different type of forward pick. I got a ton of forwards. Actually, no, I'm going to go with a D. Uh, there's one layup that I'm going to leave to you on defense. We've talked on it before because I want to bring up an interesting name here. Okay. So the name I'm going to bring up, uh, we're going to go back to New York. We talked about New York a lot, but the Islanders. I'm going to say Noah Dobson. Then who's my layup? I thought that was the layup. You thought that was a layup? Yeah. Oh, frick. Go ahead, though. Noah Dobson. You've talked at length with him. I mean, Noah, I will say, uh, again, Jason likes to criticize the Islanders a lot on this podcast. I don't, I have as well, but. They've done some good things. Like I think the way they've brought up Noah Dobson so far has been perfect. You know, yeah, they've given him sheltered minutes, but he's still played. He's played in uh, basically two playoffs. He didn't play much in 1920 in the playoffs, but this year, you know, played a ton, really. He didn't play massive minutes, but he played every single game. He was running their power play. And, you know, Noah Dobson looks like a future first-pairing defenseman. So I-, I think he's ready to break out. Um, also, back-to-back Memorial Cups. I mean, it, it's junior hockey, but, but it's like, still the matters. way he played in those. Absolutely. And, like, to describe his game, you know, he's big, but he's not the most physical. He's a little slight. His frame's a little slight. I think he's been working to put some some uh, some muscle on that frame. But he can really pass the puck. Like, his vision skating up the ice, his vision in the offensive zone on the power play are two things I know that have really carried him to a point where, like, Think about New York. They have Lou Lamorell. They have Barry Trotz. Do they want to be playing a 21-year-old you know, guy on his ELC in the playoffs? And they he pretty much forced their hand because of how well he, that he played. Mm-hmm. So, And there's going to be opportunity there this year on their second pairing, it looks like. So I'm looking for him to get a jump up in minutes. And I think he's going to have a pretty big year offensively as well. So, you know, Nick Letty's gone. And it kind of makes sense that he just takes that role that Nick Letty previously had. So... Yeah, that's a good point there. That, I, he, I mean, again, he was on my list. I really like the player. I think that's, uh, that's a very – I mean, I really like the player. He's going to be increased responsibility on a team that has gone far in the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to call them good because I hate their style of hockey. However – That's why he's yeah. interesting, though, because he plays almost he's the like antithesis the of how they play, which is why but he's valuable. But the thing is with him, he's, it's the opposite, but it's not like they've tried to make him something he's not no. and then punished him for it. I hate when coaches do that. They've celebrated his offensive side, and they've sheltered the defensive side. Now they're going to try to work on the defensive side moving forward, exactly. making him the number one D that you really need there. Right? I think his ceiling can be at the level of, like, we talked about these guys on the last podcast – like a Thomas Shabbat level. I think that's what his, I'm not saying he's going to reach that ceiling, but in terms of pure physical tools and what he's able to do offensively, I think he could almost be that good. So, Yeah, that's a good point. Did um, I steal your defenseman pick? Yeah, because you're like, I'm going to give you a, a layup. Well, I thought the layup, def- I would say it off camera, is like, they're gone Seattle. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that's a good one. 
Um, I'm stuck now. You know what? Dave didn't answer me on the, the sense question I had for him. So I'm going to go, okay, Vince Dunn. I actually said this to you. I was going to say, that's why I said before before we started you recording. Me <laughs> um, I didn't list him because I have Seattle as like an opportunity team. But Vince Dunn is an interesting one to me simply because he could be paired with a very good defenseman. I mean, I'm going to look it up right now and see what Daily Faceoff has. But Vince Dunn, Stanley Cup winner. Right now, he's currently projected to be paired with Adam Larson on their first pairing there. I'm maybe we'll they're probably going to use Mark Giordano more, but he'll be third, top four. Their third option at left D is Carson Soucy. I don't see them using Carson Soucy more than Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, very good skater. Very good skater. Has some offensive oh. upside to his game as well. Has shown flashes of being that number one defenseman, but Kind of fell out of favor in St. Louis. Some fans really trashed him because of some of his giveaways, but we've seen he has the physical assets to be a good number, a very good defenseman. He's in a new, a ch another change of scenery, new opportunity. Some like the opportunity is there for him, and like he's not the archetype of what a lot of these other Seattle picks were. They kind of went off the the beaten uh, off their strategy almost. It seems like for Vince Dunn, but. I think he's 96 born, late 96 birthday, has the physical tools, has the opportunity. I think he can really be a very good breakout candidate here. Maybe not put up 50 points kind of thing, but like a good 25, 30 point player, but every night and he's going to play huge minutes for Seattle. I think he can put That's up those potential. points, honestly. I, I think the thing I've liked from him is that at the start of his career, he was labeled as like a lazy defensive player. He had a year where he was yeah. really good offensively, 12 goals, 35 points, 78 games. That's while Petrangelo was still on the team. Yeah. But in the past couple years, what he's really worked on, and it shows in, in the defensive metrics that we look at, is he's become a pretty solid player in his own end as well. So it's almost like he, he's primed to be a player that just puts it all together this year. And I, I think he's almost, if I had to bet on one guy to for sure – break out and become like more of a household name yeah. it would be Vince Dunn I didn't pick him because I late I left him to you I wanted to go a little off the board but like other than Jack Hughes I think Vince Dunn the opportunities there the skills there like he the other thing is he should have been a first round pick too I thought he ended up dropping to the late second round yeah. like this is a guy I would have loved the Leafs to get too he's he's got every tool that you would want for a top pairing defenseman just a matter of will he put it together and I think he will I think Seattle's gonna you know let him shine. Again, people were surprised. I think there's been enough evidence seen in St. Louis that he yeah. will. Yeah. That it's a it's more likely than not. Everyone expected them to take Tarasenko. I'm not going to pat myself on the back. But I said, ah, just remember, they got Vince Dunn. And they I think they made the absolute right decision selecting Vince Dunn over Tarasenko. And I think he's going to be really good for them. I think. Yeah, last year was his first year playing more, like, more minutes. in terms Like, his minutes were more in the fourth, four kind of pairing minutes versus before it was 16 16 17 32 17 14 right like you're able to hide playing those lower minutes you're you're not playing as as great competition like you're gonna get away with some stuff when you get up to 19 20 minutes those are the tougher minutes it's gonna be tougher to shine right absolutely i agree and i think again he'll get another bump up in workload this year yeah i agree as well That's all right is it is it my uh, pick uh yeah so this is a guy that I think people may think have has already broken out, but I still want to continue to give him more love, and I think he's going to take the next step. That is Kevin Fiala 
of the Minnesota Wild. Here's why. I genuinely think Kevin Fiala has the skills to be a 80-point point-a-game player in the NHL. 80? Yes. I don't know if he will get there on Minnesota. I hope he will just due to, you know, you know how that team likes to play. It's try to suppress the high-danger chances as much as possible, which sometimes leads to your own offense getting dried up a bit. But this guy is unbelievable. I watched a couple games today to just, you know, make sure I'm not wrong. From the second that I watched him in the World Juniors, this guy, his skill level is elite, elite, elite level. And the one thing that's been positive for me is that I never thought he necessarily had the greatest shot. But if you look, he's really been able to put the puck in the back of the net the last 20 goals years. and 50 games this year. The re- he was also on a perfect like development track with Nashville. He kind of had one downish year in 1819. And they were raring to go and, you know, make a cup run again. And they flipped him for Granlin. Not that Granlin isn't a good player, but Fiala is much better. And even in that first year in Minnesota, he struggled to find his footing. But since then, I mean, he's been one of their best players. And I really do think he can be a point-a-game player. Speed, skill, passing. He's put the puck in the back of the net. He's also... What what happened with his contract? That's another thing we got to talk about. Well, he's in a contract year. He's in a contract year. He signed a one-year our deal. He's looking to get, you know, and Minnesota should try to keep him. Oh, yeah. 100%. He, I, I cannot gush about this guy enough. I really think, you know, even in fantasy hockey, I've looked at some early rankings. He's underrated. This guy, if you're in a points league, take Kevin Fiala. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Take Kevin Fiala and Hero Capital. I took him last year. He was, he was 40 points in 50 games. I expected a little bit better out of him, but that's an interesting one. And that is someone early in his career, it was like, he was like, you would you would project him to be a little bit above where he is right now, but that's interesting to put 80, 70 to eighty points up there. Yes, I mean, especially like you think Kirill the thrill on that team as well. That's gonna be Minnesota's a fun team to watch for sure. Don't forget Kirill the thrill, as you just called him. Him and Fiala are one year apart. Uh yeah, Fiala's a ninety six, he's a ninety seven. So don't forget about that. Like, if you're anticipating Kaprizov to be this $10 million player that I've seen, which I don't agree with, like, Fiala's only one year older, and his numbers were not that far off, so. Yeah. Very true. Wow. Mm. That's a good point. Mm. Damn. I like when you All right. have a good point. All right. It's an interesting one. Bold. A little bit out on a limb there. And that's different. We were doing mostly guys, you know, breaking out to be full contributors on a roster and put up. Yeah, good number. This is he's already a contributor. He's making five and change this year on a one year uh, deal, and I think he's going to take another step up. Okay, okay. Um, so my next pick that was a really big um, but I've got so many decent little ones to pick from. It's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go with the obvious one. I'm gonna go uh, Lafreniere. I think that's another guy fantasy implications there as well uh a guy that started off not very well um and i love the clickbait i love the clickbait articles where it was like when a 19 20 year old player doesn't start well and like all the questions start to swirl and it's like well no like he was like a year ago he was asking if he can go take a dump like in school and now he's broadway playing for the rangers there right like um so I thought that was – I think this is going to be a very good breakout candidate. Like, I'm trying to find what 
scale. He really broke out last year, but eight points in his last 12 games with five goals. I don't think he had a goal for 20 games last year. People were definitely expecting more than what he produced yeah, last he year. Yeah, he had one goal in his first 15 games. And I think the opportunity is really going to be there for him. He's a guy who doesn't shy away from the physical game. 6'1", 192. We've seen it at the World Juniors especially. Very, very skilled player. Like, sometimes these first overall picks, they're not Austin Matthews. They're not going to come in and just rip it up 40 goals. But I think Alexei, uh, Alexei Lafreniere is really going to – he's going to get the opportunity. I think he's on a very good trajectory there, especially with that second half of the season there. Like, we've seen what he can do. I, I think next year he's going to fit it all together and and put up some good points for the Rangers there. I think around 55. So I got a couple bounce-back questions for you. Did you almost take Capocacco instead? Um, I think the offensive ceiling is higher with Alexi Lafreniere, so that's why I went with him. Capocacco apparently did have very good defensive metrics there, did improve from his first year as well, so... I mean, Daily Faceoff has them projected to play together. I don't know whether or not that happens, but that's another that's another guy that I had penciled in on New York. Like, it'll be interesting. Can he take the next step as well? But I just like the offensive upside of Alexi Lafreniere over him. So the one thing about Lafreniere that kind of surprised me a bit is I always thought he had a really good shot. Pretty good shot, yeah. He only had 67 shots on that in 56 games last year. I wonder yeah. if... Again, I was not a fan of David, David Quinn. Quinn. He sucks. I think he didn't like Capocacco by the way he deployed him. And I'm not sure he loved Alexi Lafreniere either. And the way he looked like he started his career was like he was fighting for a roster spot almost. And that's not how a first overall pick should feel. I, I get trying to acclimate him to a team, but it almost reminded me of Stamkos with Barry Melrose's first year where he was almost going to healthy scratch him. He wasn't playing him. He like, was healthy scratching him. You're right. Him. Sorry. He was healthy So that he could him. work out. Yeah. But then he, gets, he was scoring too much, and they're like, oh, I guess we got to play him. And I, and I think Gerard Gallant, again, will always do the most to maximize his roster. We saw it in Vegas. It wasn't necessarily young players, but it was didn't matter what you've proven before. If you're going to produce, you're going to play. And I think given the opportunity, like only 67 shots for Lafreniere in 56 games. And he still scored 12 goals. That's kind of crazy if you think about it. And he like, had one in his first 15. I, I would not be surprised to see him pot 25 this year. I almost expect him to pot 25 mm -hmm. this year. So I also would have gone. I, I like Capocacco kind of too. a pick as well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I like Capocacco too. I think you can put him on there. Like this guy, his, his ceiling is high. I think his ceiling is actually higher than Alexei Lafreniere. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. That's interesting. But look, looking at those two as prospects, comparing them coming out, I almost saw Lafreniere as just... Now, I don't want to say safe, but it's like there's no way this guy's going to bust. Like, yeah, he's big. He's strong. He can shoot. He was a Rick Nash pick to me. Like, it does, it, it's not the sexiest pick, but if you're Rick Nash, it's like a borderline Hall of Fame career. You scored 30 goals every year. Like, that's what I, I think. think him. More skill than Rick Nash. But yeah. yeah, I get the But I same type of type of player. Yeah. I think Capococos probably has a higher range of outcomes, but yeah. I think his actual ceiling could be really, really high. So we'll see. That's an interesting one. Wow. But I like that pick, no doubt. So I was inquiring about Brandstrom to Dave, mm. even though this was before my Vince Dunn one. Because we've taken all our skaters yeah. so far. We got. He's goalies. written an absolute novel for me. I'm going to try to read off some of it 
right here. Let's read it he right now. Brandstrom, don't think he has it. He's small. He doesn't have the dynamic ability to carry the puck that we see with Shabbat. Really? Also, don't think he has the confidence currently to run a power play. The coaching staff also isn't giving him many opportunities. He has a short leash. If he makes a mistake, he gets benched. I don't like that. And we saw it last year. Mm-hmm. What I also thought was interesting, Victor Mete on that roster, where does he fit? See, I almost put Victor Mete as a breakout candidate, to be honest. But where does he fit? I don't know. I think when well, you they look sign at him, it, he's going to play for sure. No. You don't think so? They they brought in Nick Holden. Okay. I don't know if Nick Holden's going to keep him from playing, though. Nick Hol- they have Sh- On the left side, they have Shabbat, Delzato, Nick Holden right now. I don't think... they sign- And then I don't right think- side, it's Zaitsev, Artem Zubin, Eric Brandstrom. I don't think Nick Holden or Michael Delzato should... Seventh- he yes. shouldn't. I don't think those guys should they prevent a young player from playing. So It would be silly. However, I mean, it is odd. Well, like, get rid of Zaitsev. My God. Like, I know. Why isn't Artem Zub playing with Thomas Shabbat? That's what you should ask, Dave. That could. I think. I think he he might. I mean, this is just daily faceoffs projections but, kind of thing. So what? What, what about the forwards? What do you say about the forwards? This is a very long one. He was saying that Brady Kachuk is a a breakout candidate because he thinks he can go thirty and thirty. Like thinks he can sharpen points? his skates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he I mean, was he second better, in shots like, on goal to Matthews last year. Uh, what about qual- the What about the quality of those shots? I mean, he falls a lot, and he just puts them straight into his pads. So that's an interesting one. Once he continues to build uh, chemistry with Batherson and Norris, he can become a better NHLer. And then his also other breakout candidate he had for Ottawa was Drake Batherson. This guy is a lethal shot. See him grow more and more confidence each year. He's definitely a shoot-first kind of guy and has really excelled at all levels. I can see him going 25 and 25 this year. 100%. I He'll agree He'll score with a him. good chunk of his goals in the power play, receiving slick passes from Stutzel. Please refer to the Stutzla pass against the Leafs. And he's I also remember. really aggressive on the puck and some other stuff. But <sighs> I got some takes about Brady Kachuk. I'm not going to throw him out there, but I got no? some takes. Nah. Why not? What's he signing for? Just tell me. I think a good amount. He's going to want Is he signing? No. No, he's got, he needs a contract this year. He needs a contract. Um, I think he's gonna bridge probably. He, if I was odd, why what? Six and a half by three wow. or six. I think his brother's a lot better than him. That's what I'm gonna say. Dave might not like that, but it's easy to get as many low danger shots and stuff pucks in the pads as possible when your team sucks. Like it's that's the thing about Auto. I think I still think they have you a think long he's way. He's an to offensive go. inefficiency. I don't want to say an offensive inefficiency. I think. Inefficient offensively. N- uh, no, because it's still important to drive play. It's important to get shots on net. But I think the quality of those shots, other than the ones he jams into pads, which is fine as well. You could be a net front, front presence. It becomes the question of how much is he actually worth, mm-hmm. right? That's an interesting one. Because uh, they're going to have to pay a lot of guys coming forward. Oh, yeah. And I don't think he should be paid like a 8 to $10 million player. He's going to ask for that, though. I mean... Think and correct me if I'm. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, in his first two years, was 48 and 76, and then 49 and 68, and then he broke out. But Brady has been consistent, kind of 45 and 71, 44 and 71, and then 36 and 56, playing some good minutes as well. That's it. Uh, it'll be interesting. He's gonna have to change some style of play. Like, what if he goes to Adam Oates and then learns? Okay, maybe I shouldn't be shooting everything from the blue line there. 
I don't know. Do you I, think he has the physical tools if he changes his if he makes some adjustments? Yes, I do. But I think from what I've seen so far, I would try to bridge him as like as much as possible. I don't I'm not I could be wrong. I don't think he's going to score have 80 points next year. Like there's no reason to leaf the, your player and just give him the maximum contract that he's worth when you can still bridge him. So I don't I don't want to like poo-poo on Dave's centers. I know like a lot of people are excited about the centers. The only thing I'd say about the Sens is they have no chance of making the playoffs this year. So zero zero. So keep that in mind. Like you're, it's okay to keep rebuilding. These guys are young. Keep rebuilding. There should be questions in net for them as well. That's the other thing. And how, even the back end doesn't look that great. How are you making the playoffs with that goaltending? Like no the idea. Leafs made the playoffs with some pretty brutal defense, but like when you look at the offense, it was Austin Matthews, John it's, Tavares. You, do not, you cannot John, compare Mitch that Martin. the Leafs offense back then. Even the first year with Kadri and Bozak and Kadri, JVR Bozak, and JVR. Marner and Nylander and Matthews. Like I liked a lot of the guys on Ottawa, but yeah. this is we're talking different. Like Give Colin White more opportunity. Alex Formanton needs to play almost every day. Like, give the young guys more opportunity. The funny thing was last year, they brought in all these older guys to play. They brought in, they had Derek Stepan. They had uh, Derek Stepan got traded for a second round pick. They gave up a second correct. round pick for Derek Stepan, who I believe had 20 points the year before. And De Derek Stepan lasted 20 games. Because he scored they, one goal, and it was against the Leafs. Because they realized what everyone else could tell you was that we're a rebuilding team. Why are we playing Derek Stepan when we could be playing Josh Norris or Shane Pinto? It made no sense. They didn't play Branstrom for a while either. Yes, that again. Well, he had 28 in 70 with Arizona, and he was making like four and a half. We'll see. I, I think people are treating Ottawa like the the new kid on the block, like the fun new team. I still think, Dave, you can check me, message me if I'm wrong. They still have ways to go. So, Yeah, I, they I, do. I, I think a lot of people are excited about Ottawa, and I've seen so many articles. Oh, are they going to be a cup contender soon kind no. of thing? I think just people like to play like futuristic and project, but it's like, Okay, if you project, how high do you project Josh Norris? How high do you project Tim Stutzla? How high do you project all of these guys? And then take a look at like what the what the Tampa Bay Lightning were this year, what the Washington Capitals were before that, what the Pittsburgh Penguins were. Like they all those players, all those teams had such high level elite players. Do you think Tim Stutzla is going to get to the level of Nikita Kucherov? If anyone on the team has a chance, Tim. I don't think he will. I don't know, but I'm just saying like. I like Josh Norris. I think he's a really good player. I like Drake Batherson. I don't Batherson. think he's going to get to the level of Steven Stamkos or Braden Point. So we'll see. I, I like a lot of the pieces. I still think they have a ways to go. Exactly. I think a big a big like factor in this is the Drysdale versus Sanderson pick, too, that nobody talks about. Like those Again, you look at their D. I like Shabbat and I like Artem. Who did they draft this year? Boucher? Yeah, that was another. That, I also hated their draft this year, but that's another thing. Like even last year, they traded. It was the picks that ended up being Roni Hirvin and, and Topi Nimala for Topi Nima, for Tyler Clevin. So again, I like Shabai. I like Artem Zub. I think Zub was really good last year against the Leafs. I yeah. thought he played well as well. Hopefully, Brandstrom and Mete are guys there. But like, it's not a a, a deep current defense core. Like these guys, some of these guys are going to be turned over. So yeah, I mean, Jamie Drysdale might play next year for Anaheim. I think he will. So I don't really have many. That options. will be an interesting um, debate. But I, we got kind of got on a tangent with Ottawa. But we still got to take goalies. Oh, we do. I have three goalies here. I'm I'm struggling to choose from them. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna go with Aiden Hill. Ah, you took mine. 
Okay, you could take you, you take it. No, 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 go ahead. I have other ones, but I, he was on my list. Go the, the reason, honestly, I'm taking Aiden Hill is because how like how much longer is San Jose going to go without a goalie? This is ridiculous at this point. Yeah, like someone's a good amount. Uh, the thing I like about Aiden Hill is that you know they identified him as a player that could, they could acquire. They spent a second round pick on him, so this is not going to be a timeshare goalie. He's going to be their starter. Is that fair to say? Uh, I think they're going to split with him and James Reimer. I, I think we're it's sixty forty though. I think Aiden Hill is the starter, personally. And he's a toolsy goalie, which I like, right? Yeah. I'm not as wise to goaltender skill as you are. Aiden Hill's a big guy, 6'6". Six, six, the, you know, the frame of a starting NHL goalie, the tools of an NHL starting goalie. I liked his numbers this year. He's he was trending last in the right year. direction in terms just, of his numbers. When I, when I look at all the factors, he looks like a guy. And given the opportunity on San Jose, that's ready to break out. So I'll go with Aiden Hill. Yeah, it's a, it's a guy that's going to get much increased um, – Sorry, much increase. His role is going to increase greatly. The team has invested some assets to acquire him. So I think that's why he's an obvious kind of target in terms of a breakout player. He's, it, I don't think he started more than 20 games in a year. No, never. And then now he's going to be, you're going to see him go up 40 ish, I want to say. Like, James Reimer's not getting paid that much. No, I think so, he's going to start 50 games. I mean, they have much more invested in Aiden Hill, Hill, I feel like, than James Reimer. So, we'll see. My big knock on that is that San Jose's defense isn't I the know. easiest to play behind. So, it'll be a big adjustment from the desert there. Well, I'm just hoping, you know, honestly, I'm not ready to completely write off Eric Carlson yet. I think he's battled with some injuries. I think a prolonged offseason, they missed the playoffs reset hopefully he comes back a little better same thing with Velasic Burns was okay Velasic was pretty bad like another breakout guy we didn't talk about was Mario Ferraro I think he's maybe already broken out to be fair I think they have Uh, decent pieces on defense right so no that's a that's a that actually is a very very good point I mean this year like the year before I thought he was going to the AHL instead they took him in they played him third pairing kind of minutes they gave him opportunities with Burns with a little bit with Carlson in his first year and then his second year he was a bonafide top four player for them yep 22 a night like just decent numbers I think he's going to be a very good five on five minutes eating defenseman right and he won a world championship as well so I think, and like still relatively young, I want to say 1998 born. So I think next year, I mean, he's gotten that experience playing those top four minutes. Next year, it's just going to be nothing but improvement there. Yep. So All I don't think he'll put go. up like the sexiest numbers offensively kind of thing, but you're going to really look at him and be like, wow, like that's a very steady, cost-effective top four player that they got there on defense so Agreed. that's a good point that's Thank a very you. good point king city's finest there oh yeah um in terms of goaltending i have so many different directions that i have I three other ones it. also i want to get yeah. you get to yours and I'm i haven't go. said a leafs player yet so i'm gonna go with peter mrazic wow. i think last year he put up very very good numbers in limited games we've seen some very good hockey out of him finally a team is like I mean, well, no, Carolina did give him two years by 4.25. But I think behind the Leafs' defense and with a split load, if he's able to stay healthy, I can see his numbers being high 19s. So, like, 917 around there kind of thing. I, I, over 45, 50 games, I don't think he's put that up before. And really give Jack Campbell a run for his money in terms of, um, in terms of starting for the playoffs there. When you look at it, Jack Campbell's expected goals, expected 
goals against versus actual goals against, it was relatively close. I mean, he was good for the Leafs. Don't get me wrong, especially relative to his partner and Frederick Anderson there. However, it wasn't like stu- stupendous, stupendous. But when you look at what Peter Mrazek did last year, it was pretty damn good. So I'm really curious to see if you bring Peter Mrazek into the Leafs defense, how does it work out there and what does it look like? I think he's a pretty prime candidate to look pretty damn good. I'm going to throw you under the bus now. For Peter Morazic to be a breakout candidate, does he have to start game one of the playoffs for the Leafs? Uh, yes. So you're you're pretty. Is this a prediction right now? Or did I just walk you right into a massive prediction? Oh God. No, nah, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. I like I like the idea. Can't I think Morazic right will now. be really good. I I want to go over a couple names. So we've drafted our teams. I'll go over mine. You go over yours. Pulyarvi, Jack Hughes. Kevin Fiala at forward, Rasmus Sandin and Noah Dobson on D, and Aiden Hill in net. Yep, and then I went Ely Tolvanen, Nolan Patrick. I forgot my <laughs> third forward, Boakvist, Dunn, and Peter Mrazek. All right. Let's try to remember, remember who, who I, your who third. Who did I put a third forward? Was it some, it wasn't someone on Ottawa. That's crazy. This is, we're not good at keeping track. Oh, of Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Usually, it's Jason that does it for us. Yes, <laughs> he's not here. So, um, so the three Jason other goalies I had written from helping the one out. I really wanted to pick was Jake Ottinger, but I hate that they signed Holpe. No, like so I don't know if he's going to play, but why? That makes no sense. That's all I'm going to say. Second, especially two mil, uh, you're, they're not going to be able to bury that. Second, Cal Peterson. Is this the year he finally fully? Fully takes it from John McLean. He already did it a little bit this year. I think he fully, yeah. No, no, no. That's, uh, he's well on his way to do so. Another great, great goaltender there. He's put up his numbers relative to quick have been so, so much. Yeah, better. he started, actually started more games than I thought this year. He started 35 quick to 22. So he's there. He's their starter. Yeah. So I think the next step for him is putting up like those big 20 yeah. numbers over 60 games. With a little bit of a year. better team there now, too, right? Yeah. They've got. Philip Deneau, they got um, Alex Edler. So. I agree. I, I like that one. Another target that I kind of had there, obviously, easy target, Spencer Knight. I was going to say that, too. Florida that was, there. like, too much of a layup. But, like, the issue is with him being a breakout player, it's he's going to have to have an exceptional season. Yeah. And it's a little bit scary putting that on a 21-year-old. Like, everyone expects him to start. Like I think they've come out and said, like, so, this is our guy. The breakout, as you said, would have to be almost like a, like a Thatcher Demko plus type year for him to be considered a yeah, breakout. Yeah, exactly. Right? Everyone's I, already expecting it. I think it's a steeper hill to climb than people realize. <laughs> I agree. So a couple names that I had listed that weren't and then mentioned, like Georgiev, I think is another one. Yeah, that that's all right. Is he there yet? Kind of thing to put up much Ma- better yeah. numbers, but maybe push Shesterkin a little bit more, but. We'll see. Maybe be a target. Maybe I just think Shesterkin's just locked in as a number one there. So. I think he is, yeah. But maybe he plays a little bit better, pushes Shesterkin. They're able to deal him at the deadline Yeah. for some offensive or defensive help there, right? Some skaters that I had written down. I had Pavel Buchnevich written down. I think he's probably already broken out to some people. Uh, but like, Yeah, I had him on there but simply because it's like 70 points. More. Wow. If he plays I have the a lot, lose in general. I think they've got like their third line: Robert, Robert Thomas, Thomas, Jordan Cairo. I feel like yeah, those yeah, I agree. I think there's a couple guys there, as well. I wrote Kako Kako. What about Michael Bunting? Uh, I had for the Leafs guys. Obviously, the new guys. I put all of them down there: Kasha, Richie, Mrazik, Bunting, 
Knock David Kaka. And a couple other names. I had Trevor Zegris for Anaheim. Yeah, like, he, there's a ton of names there. Sam Steele, Troy Terry. Comtois already kind of broke out this year. He had a yeah, really good huge year. shooting percentage, but yeah, he's a very good player. And the last name on this, this is an interesting one for you. What about Tyson Jost? Um, he's shown to be a responsible defensive player. They trust him as a third-line shutdown guy. I think guy. it'll not be as, an, as obvious because I think it's going to be defensive. And I did see something about... I think his expected goals were through the roof this year, I want to say. But he's playing with, um, I think it's Nachushkin on the third line. And then I th- right now, Daily Faceoff has jo- uh, Alex Newhook projected there as well. I think they're going to switch someone out there. I think they're going to really focus that line on being very, very defensive. So he's not going to put up 50, 60 points kind of thing, but... You're really going to have to pay attention to the underlying numbers. You're going to have to watch him play every single night and see how he does defensively and then determine, okay, like he's broken out, but just not in a fantasy hockey kind of way. Yeah, agreed. But that's an interesting one I, I sure. do, th- I do think whoever takes Donskoy's spot on the second line, I don't know who that would be. I don't think it would be Jost because they like him down the middle. Yep. But it could be. Who knows? I think that's a, definitely a potential spot to break out. But, yeah, those are the guys I have. Yeah. In terms of the Leafs, I had also some question marks. Mikheyev, Dermott, like, do they take a next step? We've been asking that about Dermott for five years now. The opportunity currently isn't there for him. So will it become available on the right side or the left side? We'll see kind of thing. That's a that's a one I was not very hot on, but it's a definitely interesting talking point. Mikheyev, I mean, we've seen him bury how many frickin' pucks off two-on-ones into goalies' pads. He generated, I think, seven or eight two-on-ones this year. A lot of them with Kerfoot. Kerfoot just no doubt passed it over to McKayev every single time, and it was the same result every single time. He did not score on one two-on-one this year. That's crazy. Insanity. So maybe he's coming back. He's got a year under his belt after that injury. Contract year. Hopefully. Maybe he can learn how to shoot the puck. Um but yeah, the new guys, I think they're being put into a different scenario. Kasha, can he stay healthy mm-hmm. over a full season? That's an interesting one. Richie being put into that top six role. Can he really be a good finisher on those lines there? And then Bunting being given that first NHL season. One that I have a question mark on that I don't think you're going to like. Over a full season, Wayne Simmons. I don't think he's going to be given the opportunity. That's the issue. You would be a late career renaissance for Wayne Simmons, you're saying? But, like, he started the season off pretty strong last year. Maybe if he stays healthy, net front presence on the second power play. Maybe. Chip in here and there. I think he's pretty much like. Because the second half of last year, he was below replacement level. Yeah. I I think. And, And five of those seven playoff games, he was, again, below replacement level. I hate to say it, but I think Simmons could end up being like the. This year, no. the guy who plays over players Guys that, that people be, love. Yeah. We'll see. I, I think he has a little more left in the tank, though. So he better. I mean, you signed him for two years. So um, to close it off, I've got. I've, there's still so many names you can just go through. You can keep running through all of them. Uh, an interesting one I had on here: Sam Reinhart. That's a good one. Travis Konechny was one. Ooh. Especially after a season, he was they were down on him. Like he's trade everyone him. knows he's good, but like he's never had that. Ma- like he had a massive offensive year in nineteen twenty, but it was a shortened season. You know, Voracek for 
Atkinson? Does that, you know. Flyers had a tough year this year, too. Like, he's got to be playing 20 minutes yeah. a night. Like, 19, 18, like, top line numbers. He's that good. So, we'll see. Yeah, that's a good point. And then last one, Manjapane. I was going to pick him, but Jason would have got pissed. <laughs> uh, but curious to see what Jason's picks are. Maybe we'll put them out once he sends them mm-hmm. to us. But that's all I got. I think that was a very good draft. A lot of interesting picks there. One last one, Philip Zadina. What did you think of that one? I like that. I just really didn't like the team around no. him. That's the issue, especially when you got a scorer like that. So, like. I hope. Him. Byfield, Gabe Velarde. I hope all those guys are great this year. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Anything? Any closing thoughts, anything? Uh, Just, you know, it was a tough day in the hockey world today, obviously. You know, Jimmy Hayes, rest in peace. That was like a real blow for everyone on Twitter. You know, he hosts his own hockey podcast as well. He's been on Spitting Chicklets a couple times, which you know a lot of people listen to. He's a hilarious guy. His sandbagger invitational video, golf video, he's yeah. a riot, so... It's very sad to hear. That's all. Play American Soldier for him. Yeah. Just one time. Um, we had another two, actually. Really big losses for the hockey world. Uh, Rod Gilbert, who I had the pleasure of meeting in 2018. Uh, he passed away at the age of 80 uh, la- yesterday. I mean, part of the GAG Gola game line. Um, just an energizer bunny and just really, really friendly guy. Love to talk and love to share stories. I mean, someone DM'd our account saying that when they would go to Rangers games, he would always make time to talk to everyone. And I mean, from meeting him, just such a glowing presence there. That's a that's a really tough loss. Mm-hmm. And then we lost three young men as well from Western Canada. They were all in the Delta Hockey Academy, I believe it was. Um, that was that was a tough one as well. I don't should have the names here, but I don't. But that was a, another really, really tough one there. It was uh, hockey players Ronan Sharma, Caleb Reimer, and uh, Parker Magnuson passed away on Saturday uh, after a vehicle collision. Just a tough week. Tough. Tough, tough couple of days for the hockey world. It's really all you can say. Rest in peace. Yeah. I um, hate to go on on such a low yeah. note, but... That's the circumstances that hit the world. Really. Just want to give, you know, thoughts and prayers to everyone. Exactly. But anyhow, thank you everyone for listening.